we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, his name is Chase, and for the first time in weeks, we are on the airwaves together. Dude, uh, I had to haul butt through traffic. I went down into the, to the, to the, like, little like uh, median to to get around some traffic to be here with you dude i was so excited yeah man it's been a while <laughs> been a while we've been uh, playing cat and mouse and we've both been busy and yeah just hadn't been able to make it happen with our the way our schedule we've been working so i figured I'm... i did the podcast this week for this week's episode <laughs> with brandon and i was like hey man you want to hop on and record a quick <laughs> intro uh, so we can at least uh, have something together <laughs> for the podcast this month and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. So here we are. We finally made it. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. And then, of course, the one time where we can align it, uh, I get stuck in traffic. And, and I'm not making that up. I legitimately went down into, like, the the right-of-way and, and went around a car that was desperate in need of help, but it wasn't coming for me today. So <laughs> we <laughs> we are here, and that's all that matters. And, guys – uh, Brandon's story that you're going to hear, I can't speak to the specifics of it, but I know there is not many people in this world who have worked as hard for a deer as Brandon, the dude has put in some time. I know you've helped him a lot. I'm excited to hear the story myself, but, uh, before we can get to that, we gotta, we gotta do the thing, man. We gotta do the intro. And first and foremost, we gotta thank a couple new Patreon members at, I am floored dude that we continue to grow. We've got two more new people to announce Michael Merritt and Stefan, Pites, Peach, P-E, I'm not even going to, I know I butchered it, I'm sorry guys, but uh, thanks to both of you for joining two more Florida boys, that group continues to grow, uh, huge shout out to you guys, I mean this is, this is unreal, that little digital deer camp that we have over there is out of this world dude. Yeah, it's exciting to see. Uh, I pop in there from time to time. Sometimes it can get a little out of hand, <laughs> especially oh yeah, when sure. uh, I'm at work <laughs> and see whatever, hundreds of polos uh, coming through. <laughs> I try to like catch as many of them as I can, uh, go back and forth. Usually by the time I get to them, someone's already answered a question that somebody sure. has or whatnot. And 
uh, which is good. That's what's great about it is it, it runs itself. Uh, so That's right. If if you're interested in something like that, I mean, there there's a lot of people that ask a lot of uh, good questions, and there's a lot of people with a lot of good answers uh, oh on that God, format. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's worth it uh, just for that. Yeah, and so if, if you're new to this, this is the first time you're hearing Patreon is a way that we can uh, offset income and, and, and bring it, rather bring in income rather so that we can operate this this podcast to grow this podcast. It helps us with YouTube cracking down on hunting channels. This gives us a solid foundation for growth as a show. Um, you guys are going to be the primary beneficiaries of that because we don't take any money out of this. And uh, the Patreon Digital Deer Camp is a group that we have. It's a Marco Polo face chat app. It's also a Discord app. So you can join either a video chat if you would like. If you don't and you just want to kind of hang out in a forum-like setting, you can go over there, join the Discord group, and then it's uh, you know less FaceTime, easier to keep up with. I think that's probably something Chase spends more time on than, than the Polo because the Polo group definitely uh, gets a little rambunctious during deer season when people are killing things and... What, what 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 should I do with this blood trail and here tag along as we you know track this deer? It's it's a great time. It's not overwhelming, but it is uh, it, it is a very very active group. So I encourage you guys to check us out at Patreon. Uh, the 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 listing is down below. We do four giveaways a year: free hats, free stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. And we're going to announce the Q4 giveaway here shortly. We're trying to get a little creative with this one, so I'm going to keep that under the hat for now. But uh, in addition to that, you guys you need to check out Spartan Forge. Uh, Spartan Forge is where artificial intelligence and actual scientific data meets to give you the best prediction as to when and where to hunt. And they just launched their app uh, that will soon hit the stores. They, they, they launched the beta version. They're testing it. They're making improvements. Soon you'll be able to uh, have that on your phone as well. And it is a wonderful resource. Those guys are, go- are going above and beyond to create an app that benefits the deer hunter, uh, an all-in-one stop shop. We'll probably have Bill on here shortly to, to kind of talk about that. But if you want to, you can lock in the price of $20 a year for life nationwide. I mean, that's maps for everything. That's the prediction software. Every upgrade they come out with, you can lock it in if you use the promo code CHASINGTAILS, all caps or all lowercase, at SpartanForge.com. Go check them out. They are fantastic guys. Chase, I think with that, man, you and I tend to be kind of long-winded. Did I miss anything? No, man. I think we uh, covered it all. So I hope everybody's having a good deer season. Uh, don't yeah. forget to uh, send us uh, your uh, picks, your kill picks in. Uh, we love to post in those uh, on our uh, Facebook pages and Instagram pages, things like that. Uh, especially if a particular episode or something like that helped you out, let us know. Uh, we'd love to get some uh, feedback from uh, you guys. That's it, guys. Okay, I did the majority of the talking for the intro. Chase is going to do the majority of the talking for the actual podcast. Dude, it was great hearing your voice. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> Be good, buddy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Chase and Tails Outdoor Podcast. I'm going to be your host this week, Chase. Uh, this is going to be a special interview for me. I've got Brandon Ogden back on the line. I know he was just on the podcast two weeks ago. Um, we had been talking about him killing a Florida registry buck. And it wasn't but a a few days probably after we did the podcast about Missouri uh, that he went out uh, and was able to uh, take down his first registry buck for the state of Florida. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know, a registry buck for the state of Florida is a buck over 100 inches. Uh, Typical, and I think if it's a non-typical, it has to be over 125 inches. 
But uh, Brandon, we got you on the line, man. How are you doing, man? Are you are you coming off the high from the buck? It's been what maybe almost a week now. Yeah, um, I'm still pretty much on the high. Got to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's probably not a constant high now, but you know, I'll go through the day and then I'll just start looking through pictures or see other people's deer online, and I'll just start. I think back to that day. You know, yeah, it was about a week ago now. Yeah, October seventh. So yeah, just a little under a week ago. Yeah, yeah, just a little under a week. At the yeah, time man. we're recording this podcast, um, it'll probably drop right. <laughs> next week. Uh, it was fun, man. I got to uh, be there for the recovery. You called me after, shortly after you shot the deer, <laughs> telling me you shot a yeah. big one, and basically to get my butt <laughs> down there <laughs> so I could uh, help help with the recovery. Uh, I got yeah, to film was- some of it, so that that was cool. Yeah, man. No, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to, to have you there. You know, I know we've both been going back and forth about, you know, sign and, and, you know, what to do. And I know you've been helping me out a lot about, you know, areas to choose and how to really approach things. Um, I really thank you for that. And I was really glad you were there, um, you know, to, to cherish that, that moment for, with me, you know, it was a, it was a good moment. It was felt really good to finally get it done. You know, after all these years, it's been tough. Yeah, no doubt. I was uh, thinking to myself because you called me, told me you were. Ch- I was supposed to be hunting, I think, that morning, but slept in. <laughs> Seems yeah. to be the theme of my season so far. But uh, you said you shot a big one, and I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna see <laughs> if this is big or not. Because <laughs> uh, there are, I have some buddies that'll kind of tell me that, and you just never know what you're gonna come up on. But it was good to once we finally. Once you finally laid hands on the deer and stuff, be like, yes, that's that's a really good buck. Uh, yeah. Especially Florida public land. Yeah, no, especially, especially for public. I mean, it, you know, like I said, he was, when I saw him, he was, immediately I was like, whoa, that's, that's a big deer. <laughs> that's, right. a, that's a big one. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, so. Well, Chasing tales, like when Walter first started it, it was more of people getting on, telling stories. Uh, we've kind of revamped it a little where we have people come on and talk tactics. People come on, tell us about the products and just stuff that we might be interested in and think uh, the rest of our, our listeners would be less interested in. I want to have you tell the story, but before you like tell the story of the, the day where you killed your buck, uh, why don't we go back to last november because last november is when you found this area doing some uh, in-season scouting so why don't you tell why don't you go and tell everybody about that well yeah um you know actually it was a little bit before november i think it was like the last couple days of october before uh, right before halloween um you know it was just i was hunting public and you know, the areas that I had been grinding on, um, that year were basically going dry. Um, the deer were starting to go nocturnal. The sign was just drying up and, you know, it was, it had been a long season. You know, I had hunted a lot, you know, a lot of archery. And at that time it was muzzleloader, almost gun, I believe, or had just become gun. I'm not really sure. Um, but you know, around that time, you know, all the hunting pressure throughout the year, you know, the, the deer, they just start to go nocturnal and they really start to go hide away, uh, and not your normal areas. So, you know, I, I had to take a step back and, and just really look at the, the piece that I was hunting and kind of just go back to the drawing board. 
and figure out where are these deer going, you know, just putting everything into account, the time of year, the food source, and, you know, the pressure. There have been a lot of people, a lot of people in there, especially when the guns start coming out. A lot of people start coming out of the woodworks, <laughs> more people than you would think. Um, so, you know, I, I really looked at the map and I was trying to figure out an area where I had never been, maybe a, sp- a place I forgot about. Um, so looking at the map, cyber scouting for a couple hours, um, I just, I actually happened to find this spot. Um, it just looked like it laid out really nice. Um, it had a lot of bedding cover from what I could tell, um, from the aerials It had a lot of bedding cover. Um, and it had a bunch of diversity that, that came together, you know, it went from like bedding to swamp to look like bottom where there's probably oaks. Um, and it was just, it was far away from, you know, any, any public access, very, very distant, I'm a long ways away. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, I was hoping it would get me away from pressure. Um, and when I found the spot, you know, of course I had, I had asked you, you know, cause you weren't, you were hunting too. You were still hunting for your big buck last year. Um, so you were kind of, you were kind of in between too. You were just waiting for the deer to start showing up in daylight and everything like that. So I asked you if you want to come along with me. And of course you're like, yeah, why not? I'm bored. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So, but you know, a lot of times when I look for these, you know, really distant, uh, hard to get to places, uh, you know, sometimes you kind of have a, a feeling of, oh man, this is going to be a great spot. And sometimes you put your hopes up real high and then it doesn't really turn out to be that good as you think, or, uh, somebody else has already found it, you know? So I, I tried not to give myself a lot of hope, but I, I was confident that it was gonna, it was going to produce something or going to have some type of value to it later. So anyway, so we, we ended up getting to the spot and we started walking it. And I mean, immediately, as soon as we entered into these block of woods that we were going to scout, I mean, the sign was, I mean, I think you agree with me here. There was a lot of trails. I mean, there was a lot of deer trails, a lot of deer sign, a lot of deer activity. I mean, more more than we had seen anywhere else on this piece of public. Um, so, you know, of course, I had a spot pinned on the map. I wanted to go check it out. Um, it was just it was just where bedding met up with a couple different diverse uh, habitat diversities. Um, so we jumped in there. And I mean, immediately when we started getting near, you know, near the swamp and, and, and the thick of the bottom, uh, we immediately started seeing buck sign. And I mean, not just like little rubs and scrapes. I mean, like big rubs, you know, like size of your forearm calf type size rubs. So, of course, we got excited. I got excited. You know, that was that was really, really, um, really, really something, something I hadn't seen a lot that year. Um, so went in there and I had brought some cameras. So, uh, you know, you and me kind of worked together and we, I kind of picked out some areas. We put, we put the camera on some rubs and some, uh, looks like some good funnel areas. Um, and then we left out of there and we let them soak. One was a, one was a cell camera, but the other one was a regular camera. Um, uh, so we left out of there and I remember I was going to let them soak at least until Turkey, maybe a little bit after and just see what happens. Um, and I don't think it was a couple days after we had set the cameras that we started getting pictures of deer. Um, we started getting pictures of big bucks. Um, and unfortunately just the way everything worked out, I wasn't able to get back up there, um, for that hunting season. Um, so I used it as a learning tool. You know, I learned how the deer were using the area, 
um, and, and when they're in there. So this was around November, early November when I started getting pictures and I was getting pictures of deer all the way, basically throughout January, I was getting deer pretty, pretty consistently. Um, so of course I was excited and then fast forward, um, you know, I, I moved into Turkey season and I was hunting this particular public there in Turkey. I was able to get a permit and, you know, I decided after turkey hunting, I had <laughs> not the greatest turkey experience, had one come up behind me, just couldn't get it done. Um, but anyway, so I decided, hey, I'm going to go pull these cameras. Uh, at least pull. So I ended up pulling them. And, you know, like I said, the sign was still old from last year. And I actually decided to expand my search uh, in this piece that you hadn't even been to yet. Um, and, man, I learned a lot. I learned, you know, I really found more trails and more rubs and just more signs that could be very helpful for the fall. And just, you know, I started making notes and marking them on my hunt stand. And, um, you know, it just it laid out really, really nice. Um, it laid out to be a really good spot. I didn't see any other tree stands or signs of people, which is, in my opinion, huge on public. I mean, just getting away from pressure, I think, is really big. Um, it does create some other challenges. But I mean, it, it's, I, in my opinion, it's one of the top things I look for is pressure. So anyway, so fast forward, finished turkey season. I pull the cameras, um, check all the, the camera footage. And I mean, we had just a lot of deer filtering through a lot of bucks and I was ready. I was ready for this upcoming fall, you know? So that was, I mean, that's a little bit of history behind it. Right. Well, there, there was a particular deer on that camera that we think <laughs> might be the deer that you took this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of all the bucks that we, you know, we had on the camera, there was one in particular that, you know, that really caught our eye. Um, it really caught my eye. He was a real symmetrical 10 point, um, really nice deer. And I, I think I actually remember telling you, or it might be in a text somewhere that, man, I'd, I'd like to really meet up with that deer next year. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and of course it's so far out at that time that we're just like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. You know? Um, little, little did we know, or little did I know, you know, uh, most likely I did meet up with him. He met an arrow. <laughs> it's possible. Can't hundred yeah, percent say it's him, but it's, it looks pretty close. Yeah. It, it looks pretty close. If not, it's this identical twin. Right. But, and so. he, he, uh, just talking about it, uh, he didn't make like a major jump kind of, I mean, he pretty much looks the same that he did yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could yeah, be he, a different buck. I'm not saying it's the it is the same buck, but they're both ten points uh, symmetrical in the same area. I thought he was a little bit bigger this year, slightly. You were kind of like, eh, I'm not really sure uh, if he was or not. I thought he put on some mass, but that's neither here nor there. But that was just something that we saw that buck. He was a buck that we saw. There was another one. I think that was a, an eight point that we figured yeah. might be kind of decent this year uh, if he made it. Because uh, you never know. I mean, I, I've got history with deer. I mean, you don't – you've never really had any history with deer that much, have you? No, I, I haven't had a lot of history with it. Um, but, you know, it, it it's just one of those things, man, that uh, – you know, on public, it's just so tough to get them to come. I think they have so much area to roam, and then they get pressure from other places. Food sources change, so I just think they move around. I only had one instance where I had some history with a buck. 
Um, and he ended up, he ended up getting shot the year after I had history with him, um, by a good friend of mine. He ended up scoring like 125 or 126. So he was a, he was a, he was a big deer. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, at least in my opinion, the bigger bucks, you know, when they, when they get into an area that they're comfortable with, um, and as long as they're not too hard disturbed, I think they stay in that general area, you know, maybe half mile radius. Right. Um, for most of their life, at least in my opinion, what I've seen. Yeah. Last year, find this spot. I went in there. We scouted it some. Uh, you were really excited about it. Before the season started, uh, we went back in there. Yes. And I think, did we put the cameras out? Is that when we put the cameras out before the season? Yeah. yeah. We, we ended up putting the cameras up, I think it was about, august i think it was about mid-august probably about a month to three weeks before the season opened you know actually i I was a little bit surprised and a little bit you know trying to hold out hope because you know as as the weeks went on you know i started getting pictures of deer but not not a lot of activity um you know so so of course i i focused my attention other places i mean you know i just on public you just got to keep moving and you got to keep finding that next that next spot, that next spot, because I mean, you got to have options A, B, C, D, all the way all the way to Z. You know, you got to have options. And some areas that aren't hot this year might be hot next year. Um, you know, so I set those cameras back in this area, and like I said, the first couple of weeks, you know, just your normal couple deer here and there, nothing crazy. Um, but I had a suspicion that you know the, that it was gonna pick up mainly because the the food source, the acorns hadn't started dropping yet. And, you know, usually when the food drops, the does start to pile in there. And when the does pile in there, the bucks will start to follow and check them out. Um, so I, I was hopeful. I was hopeful for that. Um, and it started, I think it was about probably the last couple days of September. Um, I started finally getting some buck pictures. And I started, the, the number of pictures started, um, started uh, becoming more frequent. Um, and deer started showing up in daylight, um, you know, so that was, that was starting to get me excited, but you know, I was, I was really, really holding out every time I wanted to go hunt it and go explore it and go sit it, you know, the wind wasn't right. The wind wasn't right. And I know I was talking to you about it. Just, you know, every time I had a chance to come hunt, the wind wasn't right. The wind wasn't right. And, you know, we talked back and forth about, you know, not disturbing that area until it's right. You know, we both said it like this is a special area could have potential for good deer. You need to just hold out, hold out until the wind's right, you know, which (laughs) which can be a daunting task sometimes, you know, (laughs) can be a very daunting task. For Um, sure. And with last year, I mean, like I said, we didn't get the cameras in there until November or close to November. So we had no nothing to go by to be what happened between uh, between in August and November. Like when did the deer show up in there? Stuff like that. Like we didn't, there was no gauge there to be like, all right, these deer generally show up September 15th or something. Like generally every, every year or something, the deer start falling through here September 15th. And then they'll be in here throughout the remainder. Um, Cause they were in there in November. Um, those bucks were definitely in there in November, December time for sure. And probably that's probably related to pressure, but they were daylight active during that time. Yes. You were getting daylight pictures of those bucks late in the season where normally you don't really do that, especially 
uh, on this particular piece of public uh, with the pressure. So I thought right. that was interesting um, from last year. Um, and that spot, like I said, you hunted that spot a couple of times, but now you're out and at home probably aren't going to hunt it again for a while. Um, and you still have the cameras there. So I'm kind of looking forward to like, okay, in November, December, are these deer going to be back in there daylight active? Um, I, right. I think that'll be cool. Yeah. That, that's actually something that, you know, I, I'm actually excited to see too. Cause I normally, I normally don't let cameras soak like a whole season, you know, but I know Walter has started doing that. Um, and I know some other buddies that have started doing that and they've, they've learned a lot. Um, so I think I'm going to let that soak, you know, until after season, um, and just let them soak and, and see, and like you said, see what happens, just learn, learn from the deer. And, you know, you never know, it, it might be something that you pick up on a pattern where you're like, okay, well, from this time to this time, they're not really active, but you come back between this time and this time, they're, they're more active. You got a better chance of getting a late season deer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that's interesting. I think it'd be something good to learn. Yeah, and before we got on, we were kind of talking about with trail camera stuff anyways, is not to give up on an area just because you put a camera out and two weeks later there's no bucks on the camera. Like there's times when bucks will show up to areas, and it's good even if – I mean, you've got cell cams in there, but even if you just go buy a cheap Walmart Tasco or get one of the Simmons cameras, they're what, $25 SD cards mm-hmm. and batteries. You got 35 bucks in it, 40 bucks in it, the camera and just leave yeah. it there for a season. Uh, you can get so much information from that. Uh, if, if it's in the right spot, you can figure out, okay, this is when deer are starting to show up. Uh, this is when I need to be in here. And then I can focus my time somewhere else before that. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, like I don't own a bunch of cell cameras. I think I own a couple and like two or three. Um, but you know, like I said, I own a bunch of those Tascos and just cheaper, cheaper cameras. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take a, a super expensive camera or something with a lot of features to get it done to learn. Um, especially, you know, with our quota system, if you know, you have a good chance at, um, at getting a particular, uh, quota permit next year. I mean, scout it the year before, hang some cameras in some areas that interest you and just learn. Like you said, I mean, it it could, it could really benefit you for your next hunt and maybe shave off some time scouting and more time hunting. Right. Um, Which I know is, which I know is always a a struggle here in Florida with a lot of these quota permits is that, you know, you get, you know, three day hunt, you know, some, sometimes you get lucky and get some of these longer ones, but for the most part, you're looking at three days to dissect a giant piece of public property with other hunters and try to get it done and try to be successful and shoot an animal. I mean, that's, that's a super hard task. Yeah. You know, unless you're willing to dedicate, you know, multiple, multiple trips to wherever this quota permit is, um, to, to scout, to pre-scout. Um, right. and then sometimes if you pre-scout too early, you know, they just, they, they're not there, you know? So it's, it's a very difficult, uh, game, you know, in Florida. Well, and some of these quota permits, some of them aren't necessarily focused around like the rut, pre-rut time anyway. So it kind of makes it hard. Like, okay, when is your hunt going to (laughs) be? And just because there's a ton of buck sign in an area, well, if your quota hunts like the second week of the season, those deer might not be there 
all, all that sign that you're seeing, those deer may make in October. Like they may start making the first couple of weeks of October and transition to that area. So it may not even be a point in hunting that particular area. Uh, if, yeah. you, if you draw a quota, like the, the second week of the season, uh, you, you may want to uh, kind of figure out, okay, this is where they'll probably be at this point uh, of the season, as opposed to like, Oh man, I'm over all this old sign. Um, there's gotta be deer coming through here. That's may not necessarily be the case. Especially you kind of yeah. find that out in your area where first couple of weeks, you're not really getting any bucks on camera in that area. And then all of a sudden, kind of the floodgates open. Um, I don't even think with your, the buck that you killed, I'm not even sure that we had him on camera, that you had him on camera yet this year. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if I had a buck a couple days prior. Um, but we, we, you know, we never really got a good picture of him if, if it was him or whatever, we just knew there was a buck cruising around, but I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I haven't had any pictures of bucks, you know, especially pre, like preseason, you know, I, I really, I mean, maybe my cameras are in the wrong areas. I don't know, but I, I just, I haven't had a lot of buck activity and I've just noticed that over the years, you know, uh, I won't get a lot of buck pictures, it you know and then all of a sudden the flood the floodgates open it's the right time of year they just start moving and start coming out of the woodworks yeah Um, yeah, you don't don't really have the uh, velvet pictures no no i don't i don't so i really i really don't uh doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot (laughs) no it it doesn't it doesn't i mean for me I, i just look for the freshest sign you know the freshest sign at that moment you know, any hunt that I go into, I just try to look for the freshest sign. It doesn't always necessarily have to be buck sign. Um, I mean, buck sign is obviously better, but in my opinion, but I mean, it, just finding fresh sign in general, the freshest sign you can find and setting up on it, um, you know, for me, it's helped me tremendously just at least see deer. You know, it's, that's a, that's a chance, that's an accomplishment in itself from hunting in Florida, just actually getting on deer. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So for sure, man. Well, let's uh kind of transition to the hunt then. We've kind of talked okay. about finding the spot, running trail cameras, uh up until then. Um so let's let's go to the hunt. All right. Well, um, you know, this area that we've been talking about, um I was up there hunting uh for a couple days. I had a couple days off from work, so I was able to go hunt. And, you know, I had planned these days because I was looking ahead and the wind was going to be right. Um, I came in there and hunted October 6th. Um, the wind was the wind was right. Um, I, we had I had started getting some bucks. Uh, it looked like they were chasing does, following does um, on, on the cell camera. So I had I had just the right wind. So I decided to go in there and sit. Um, it was great. The October 6th, it was great. Uh, I saw a lot of deer, saw a lot of does, um, never got winded, was able to get in and out of there nice and quick. Um, you know, and, and I originally wasn't going to go there um, on the 6th because the wind was was kind of iffy and I was like, I don't know. And the wind ended up being good. And I did see, you know, I did have a nice buck following a doe. So that gave me hope. Um so October 6th goes by, like I said, saw a lot of deer and I was going to take my tree stand down. Um, but before I got down that evening, I looked at, I looked at the weather again for the next morning 
because I had another spot in mind I wanted to go. Um, and the wind was going to hold. It was going to hold till about, I think, 11 or 11.30. Then it was going to switch to a completely different direction that wasn't going to be good. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to keep the stand here. I'm going to hunt the morning, and then I'll, I'll take it down in the daylight. So roll forward to the next day, October 7th. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've been grinding all year, you know, getting up every morning at four o'clock in the morning, you know, making the drive, just, you know, you know how it is just getting, just trying to get motivated in the morning. Sometimes a little bit hard, you know, sleeping in sometimes seems a lot better. (laughs) Um, but you know, I I had some confidence. I I had a really good feeling. Uh, I woke up that morning. It was actually below 70 degrees for once. Uh, I think it was like 67, 66, something like that. Um, so it felt nice, you know, made it out there, uh, made the long trek out there. I just easily creeped in to my, to my saddle, um, got up there from the stand I had left up the day before. Um, you know, it was, it was a beautiful morning. I mean, absolutely beautiful morning. It was just a little bit cool. The mosquitoes weren't tearing me up as bad as normal. Um, and you know, all in all for deer movement, it was actually a, a, a very, very slow morning. I, I hadn't seen a deer. Um, you know, we're rolling around eight thirty, nine o'clock, still hadn't seen a deer. Um, uh, hadn't seen any moving, hadn't heard anything, no squirrels. My dad was hunting on his property. So I texted him around nine 15 and I'm like, Hey man, you heard, have you seen anything? It's dead over here. He's like, yeah, it's, it's dead over here too, man. I'm like, Oh, I mean, this sucks. It's so dead. I don't understand. Cool morning. Anyway, so, you know, about another 15 minutes goes by. It's around 930. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting in my saddle. And I had I had good shooting to my right, which is my weak side. And I had practiced, you know, if a deer came from that side, uh, how I was going to shoot him and stuff like that. So I had already practiced this. Um, but anyway, it was about 930 in the morning. And all of a sudden, I caught movement to my right. and and it was, it was just caught some movement. And, and all of a sudden, when I looked over, I just saw a big body. And then of course, as you see the big body, I just saw these big horns and I was, or these big antlers, you know, coming through, coming through the thicket and through this pine row that's there. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So as soon as I saw this deer, and at this point, the deer is probably 60 yards away, maybe 50 um, I immediately grabbed my bow and I swung around the left side of the tree and, you know, so I could stay hidden and that way I could also shoot him on the right side of the tree. It's just, I practice shooting around the back side of the tree, um, on the saddle. So I'm sitting there and this deer starts coming and he's beelining it right for my tree. I mean, just like all the other deer have done, you know, so I get ready, I get ready and I'm, and I mean, I'm starting to shake, you know, I'm starting to shake bad. <laughs> And, you know, and so I'm, like I said, I'm hugged up against this tree, just trying to stay covered up. So the only thing that's really sticking out is like my left knee and a little bit of my bow and, you know, probably just the side of my face, just looking, just looking at him through one eyeball essentially. And so he, he's walking out. And at this point he, he gets to about 18, 17 yards, something like that facing me and just stops. I mean, stops on a dime. And he's not nervous, but he's just standing there and he just starts looking around, just starts looking around, head up the whole time. And of course, at this point, my nerves are just absolutely going insane. I'm trying, I'm trying to control my breathing. 
um, everything like that. So I, I'm just I'm just trying to keep it together at this point, you know. So I'm sitting there, and it seems like it's probably a good five minutes goes by, and and I and he's just sitting there looking, and not looking at me, but just looking around, trying to figure out if everything's safe. Um, and of course, at this time, the shakes are getting so uncontrollable. I'm trying to like just push off my platform to like flex my leg to try to get the shakes to stop, but it's not happening. <laughs> you know, it's not happening at all. So at this point, all I'm thinking to myself is, oh, my God, don't you dare turn and run. And I'm trying to see if I have a shot frontal. I don't have it. Of course, there's a limb in the way, everything, you know. So <laughs> so finally, after about seems like five minutes, it was probably three minutes. I look over my right shoulder and there's a doe coming to my right. And so she's coming to the right. And I realized he was probably looking at her and focused on her. Um, so as she comes around to my right side, he make he finally breaks his statue like stance, turns to the left. And when he does that, um, you know, he starts to make his way toward her. So I swing around the back of the tree just as far as my tether will let me go. And um, he gets he starts to walk behind some white oaks and I draw back and. I get the full draw anchor and um, so get the full draw anchor and he stops. And of course he stops and his vitals are right behind the white, behind the white Oaks. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. You know, I'm just, I'm just right now. I'm just, (laughs) I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to hold the bow still. And, I tell myself, I'm thinking to myself, man, I could probably squeeze it right behind, right next to that tree, you know. But finally, I made the right decision. I waited. I was holding it, and finally, he so he ended up taking two steps forward. And when he did that, you know, I just gave him, I just stopped him real quick. And when he did that, he looked, he looked around. I put that pin right on, right on the crease of his shoulder, and let it fly. And I mean, it was probably one of the best shots I've ever made on an animal in my, in my life so far. It hit right where I was aiming mid-level. I mean, just that infamous thwack, you know, it was, it was awesome. You know, as soon as I hit him, he wheeled around, you know, blood started coming out everywhere. Um, And then the arrow, I guess the arrow came out about 20 yards as he started running. Um, I mean, the whole time I'm watching him, just blood is just pouring out. You know, and I knew I knew I made a really good shot Um, and I was I was really, really excited. (laughs) I could I I, I, I'm really glad there wasn't a camera in the tree, but I kind of wish there was a camera in the tree because I was hyperventilating and like, oh, my God. And I'm like, holy crap, I just shot a registered buck. You know, I mean, just all all the emotions just absolutely hit me at once. Um you know, it, it was something I'll never forget in my life, ever, ever, ever. I mean, even if he didn't end up scoring to be a registry, you know, he was he was the biggest buff of my bow ever, you know, so far in, in my life. And he, I, it was just super special. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget that in my life. Just everything, just all the hard work, all the hours, all the hours and miles and trips up there and mosquitoes and, uh, you know, everything. It was, it was just awesome. And, of course, you know, the first person I wanted to call was my dad. You know, and I was, you know, of course, I was, you know, could barely breathe and speak in two word sentences and he thought something was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, I was able to get the words out. You know, I just I just shot a registry. He's, you know, he's he's a giant, 
you know, he's, he's, I, I crushed him, you know? So, so yeah, man, it, it, you know, that was pretty much it. I gave him about 30 minutes before I got down. Um, and you know, I have a long trek back there. So, uh, I got down, I looked for blood, uh, the, the, the shot site of blood was, um, was good. You know, there was dark red blood. It was like dark red blood with bubbles. So I knew I got some lung, um, and looked like lungs, lungs and probably a little bit of heart. Uh, there was a lot of blood everywhere. So I was, I was pretty confident. So I, uh, I marked where blood was, went back and met you and my dad and we made the long trek out there. Um, and I mean, it wasn't, we tracked that deer, what, maybe 70 yards, 65 yards. And it was, it was an easy blood trail to follow. You know, I started, of course, when I got back to the truck, I'm telling, you know, I'm telling you and my dad how, how it all looked. And, you know, I, I kind of had, I don't want to say I had doubt, but I'm sure you can probably answer that better. I was just, I wanted my hands on him before I started celebrating. I think <laughs> it was more of, which I'm sure you got, I'm sure you got a little vibe of that. You know, I never, I don't want to count my chickens before they're hatched. Oh yeah. Well, you never know with bow hunting anyways. There's so many weird things that can happen <laughs> when you shoot a deer uh, or, yeah. or think you hit them good or whatever. So it's, it's best just to <laughs> wait until you got right. your hands on them to start celebrating. Well, well I mean, I know you, you shoot lots, lots of big, I mean, I know you shoot lots of big bucks, so you know, you're used to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best thing is uh, when you see him fall, <laughs> Yeah. but he wasn't far from pines like where you lost track of them so no once no. he made it into there he probably went i don't know 30 or 40 yards in them pine trees uh before he fell over so i mean you didn't didn't get to see him fall uh, i don't know if you heard him crash or not uh, I well can't... i i didn't i didn't hear him crash but i knew once he entered the pines you know he i heard him going through it and then he just went silent so, you know, right. there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of like palmettos or anything that could make loud noise that he hit, you know, he just, it seemed like to us, like he just laid down and that was it, you know, he was done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, no more than 65, 70 yards, but you know, it was pretty special, you know, with, with you and my dad both there. And I didn't even realize you were, you were videoing when I found him <laughs> and, and, you know, you did get, you got a special moment with me and my dad, um, you know, which I'm going to cherish forever. Um, so I, I really thank you for that one. Um, and then we made we made the long haul out of there to get him out of there. So it yeah, was, it was awesome. Thank goodness she had that cool. cart. Oh God, that God, deer yeah, cart. That, hand cart. that deer cart is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Uh, oh, it saved us. It saved us so much. For sure. Yeah, the the shot was great. Uh, the deer was like I said. He he went sixty seventy yards. So he he died pretty quick. Yeah, no, he died. He died pretty quick. Didn't go 20. (laughs) Yeah, did. Didn't go 20. But didn't have to give that deer time, that's for sure. Um, I'm sure he was dead, whatever, 10 seconds after you shot him. Um, Right. But, yeah, it was fun getting the call, coming out there. Uh, We got got your deer loaded up. We headed back to your place. Um, I, I scored him real quick just to be like, okay. I mean, I figured I had guessed him around 110 inches or so uh, when we were out there, and then I scored him. He, I know he grosses 112, but he was really symmetrical. I didn't do a net or anything. Uh, really symmetrical deer, and like I told you, I was like, I don't think he's going to lose more than probably two or three inches uh, as far right. as net-wise. But you have somebody 
coming to actually officially score it, right? Yeah, yeah. Friday, I've I've got somebody from FWC coming to officially score it. Um, I know I know everybody's scoring could probably be off a little bit, you know, where they hold the tape and whatever. So, oh, I yeah. mean, I'm not really worried. I mean, it, it doesn't matter really at this point what it scores. I'm just I'm very happy. You know, I harvested a really nice buck on public. Um, you know, just just a lot of hard work and a lot of hours in the field. Um, you know, just to boil down to those, you know, to those 30 seconds or whatever, you know, a couple minutes of, of shooting the deer and, and everything like that. Just there's so many components that go in, into into hunting. I mean, it's not just the scouting too. You know, you can't forget about your shooting and and your form and archery or if shooting a gun, pulling the trigger, squeezing the trigger. You know, think I mean, everything just has to come together. Um, and it did. It was very thankful that morning it all came together. Yeah. Um, why did Why did you pick the tree that you were in? Well, I I actually picked the tree that I was in. The, the very first morning that I, I came in that spot, um, I had two trees I was, I was going to pick. Um, and I ended up choosing this one. Uh, mainly because where I was expecting the deer to come from or where they're going to go. So I, the, the area, the reason why I picked this tree in particular was behind me was just a very, very, very deep swamp. And I mean deep, like it's probably like six or seven feet deep. So my thought process was two things is that the wind was going to blow right down that swamp. And if the wind died, which the wind wasn't a lot that day, the thermals were going to pull the wind. And I, I confirmed that when I was checking with a little cotton. I used like a little cotton ball and just pull a little, a little piece off. I don't have milkweed or anything. And I just I blew it off my hand. And sure enough, when it didn't feel like there was any wind, it would start to drop. And as it dropped down my tree, the thermals pulled it right to the water, um, which was huge in my opinion. And I also did not believe the deer were going to trek through that really deep swamp. I know they can, but my thought process behind it was they're going to filter on the, would be the right side of it. So, which would be my upwind side. Um, that was my whole process behind it. Cause there were some trails coming from behind me. Uh, there were a couple scrapes. So if my wind, uh, if a deer did come from behind me, I was hoping that they would stay just on the edge of that swamp and they wouldn't catch my wind. I mean, that's, that's primary why I picked this tree. Now, this tree didn't give me all the shots that the other one that I wanted to get into was. So it was kind of a sacrifice. I had to I had to sacrifice getting a shot to your wind. But if, you know, in this situation, it wouldn't have mattered which tree I was in to kill this deer. Um, but it would have mattered with the does that I had come in, that I had the doe come in behind me. Um, the doe came in right where I thought the deer would. And because of that, she didn't win me. It, that wind stayed right in the, right in the thermal of the water and it blew just, a just off wind of her. So, you know, I, I think I, looking back, I think that was a big benefit and, uh, and, and a deciding factor. Cause if she would have blew out of there and freaked out, I mean, there's no telling what he would have done. Right. You know? So I, I think that was a, I think that was another big key, um, for me. Now you told me that you used cover scent. Yes. In there. What, what is the cover scent you're using? Uh, well I used uh dead down wind is actually what I used. Um, I, you know, I, I go back and forth between whether it really works or not. Um, be, because I actually just happen to have a bottle 
um, with me. So I ended up spraying it three times. I, uh, I sprayed it at the truck when I left the truck. Um, I sprayed it about 60 to 80 yards from my tree. I sprayed everything down, my boots, my book bag, my hat, everything. And actually something I learned from one of these, one of these shows is I actually stopped wearing my hat in. Um, cause your hat just holds in so much heat and it holds in all the sweat. Um, so I actually just put my hat on my backpack and put it on once I get in the tree, but I ended up spraying it about 60 or 80 yards when I got to the tree. And then once I was done climbing and I got to the top and I got situated, I ended up taking the spray out again and I, you know, I just heavily doused everything. I mean, my bow, any kind of clothing, your, your bino straps, your backpack, um, bow sling, boots, you know, legs, back, everything. And, you know, do is, did that make a difference? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a deer. <laughs> right. So I, I, I don't know. But I think mentally, just for confidence, um, I think it did. I, I did have a couple of deer come right underneath of me. Um, and, I mean, right where my scent was going. And they never winded me. Uh, I'm not saying it's the fix-all. You know, Florida's tough. It's all, You're always sweating. As soon as you step out of the truck, you're sweating. Um, so I just, I decided to use some cover scent and just because I had a lot of deer coming from around me, um, I think it helped. Um, but I don't know if it was the end all, I don't know if it, if it actually worked or not, but I think it did. Right. Well, I don't know that it would, that buck was upwind of you, right? Right. Yeah. The, the buck was upwind. I had a, but I had some of the does that could have been downwind of me, other deer that could have been downwind of me. Uh, and I haven't, I did not have a deer blow at me once. Right. Um, so, you know, probably just more luck than anything, but yeah. And know. I think that the swamp back there and the water was probably pulling everything pretty good. No, I was going to say, yeah, when I, when I dropped that cotton that I started doing last year, uh, raw cotton, I mean, it was, it was pulling right down to that water. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing to watch, you know? So I think, I think it definitely had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, you said you tried some calling before that, right? Uh, I did, I did try some calling, um, but before that deer came in, I had tried some the day before too. It was just a, you know, I, I like to just try to do some simple calling, just some, just some light grunting, sound like some, you know, maybe uh, breeding grunting um, and maybe mix in a little bit of doe bleats and then just a light, a light rattling sequence, nothing like, you know, crashing horns or anything like that. Just really light, um, you know, and probably like maybe two or three minutes long, just a light little uh, rattling together. Um, and something else I was able to do this time since I was next to another tree uh, during my rattling sequence, I was able to like, you know, smash and beat up on some bushes and some branches um, you know, to try to make it sound a little bit more realistic. Um, that's, that's something I like to do a lot, you know, during muzzleloader or gun, you know, if I think the rut's on is I'll just sit a lot on the ground and hunt and do calling from the ground, kick up leaves and, and, and stuff like that. And I've had some success with it. Not a lot, but, um, it, it definitely, I think gets them curious and they come look and see what it is. Right. And uh, how long had it been since you had last called before that buck came out? It was probably 30 minutes. Okay. Um, you know, the, the way the deer came in, I mean, I don't know. It's just the, the deer didn't come in looking like he was ready to fight. Right. Um, 
but but the way he came beelining straight for my tree, he could have. He could have heard the sound and he was coming right to it. Um, you know, I don't really don't know. I actually didn't think about that. Um, I had rattled at about nine o'clock. Um, and I mean, the way he came beelining to my tree, uh, I mean, it could, he could have, or maybe that maybe he smelt the dough in the area. I'm not really sure. Right. Yeah. Cause the dough, you still can't explain how she got there or where she no, came from no. or anything like that. I, I, I have no idea. I, I just happened to look behind me and I caught movement and, and she was there. So she could have, she could have came from, you know, from behind me or she could have came from my left. I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, now that you have your registry buck, you, you've killed it. What What's next? What's, what's the next goal? Um, you know, I, the next goal, I mean, is hopefully to get on some deer in Missouri. <laughs> uh, you know, we got a Missouri trip coming up in November, which we're both excited for. Um, I mean, you know, when it comes to hunting in general, you know, I just, I just want to keep being successful. Um, you know, nothing, nothing's really changed in a sense. Like I'm not like, all right, now I'm going to shoot another registry. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and just be successful and just try to learn from what I learned from this deer and how I got on this deer and how I got on deer in general, you know, just really probably after season more than, more than anything, I'll just look back on my season and say, okay, I learned this this year, or, um, I need to do this better. Um, you know, something I came up with a couple years ago you know, when I was getting frustrated and not seeing deer and not getting on deer and seeing buddies kill deer, you know, just asking myself, what, what am I not doing that they're doing? You know, what are they doing that I'm not, uh, you know, and, and finally I told myself, I'm never going to leave the woods with a shoulda, coulda, woulda. And basically, I mean, that, that's been my driving force is after a weekend of hunting or after a quota hunt, when I leave that hunt, whether I'm successful or not, especially if I'm not successful, I want to make sure I leave that place with no shoulda, coulda, woulda, like, oh man, I should have went here. Oh, I could have, I could have sat in that tree or, you know, I, I always leave a place with no shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And it probably sounds a little funny, but it's just a driving force for me saying I gave my all, I tried my all and that's it. I gave 110%, you know, and then if you don't get it done, it's just, it just wasn't meant to be. You know, just the deer just were nocturnal or, you know, I mean, for me, it, you know, I, I, I try to leave a piece of ground when those shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Yeah. Well, that's a good motto. It is. It's, you know, I just, I, I just wanted to get on more deer. That's, that's basically my goal is just to get on more deer, see more deer. And eventually, you know, you'll, you'll get in the right tree and you'll, and you'll kill a good deer. Um, doesn't matter if it's a registered buck or a doe. I mean, you'll just, you'll start killing more game. Right. You've put the years in <laughs> on this piece of public, so yeah, maybe yeah, definitely. Uh, it's one of those sayings where you 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 gotta. It took what? How long? How long have you been hunting? How long have I been hunting? Period. Well, public land, Florida. Uh, probably going on fifteen years. So sixteen years. Going on fifteen, sixteen, and. You finally got a registry buck after 15, 16 years. Yeah, exactly. So that that's just yeah. uh, uh never give up kind of mantra uh, for anybody out there uh, struggling. Uh, I know I know a lot of guys that are chasing that 
hundred inch mark, and they've been hunting uh, for years and years and years. Uh, they've been close, um, and, but I mean they're always successful. That's the, I mean they're right. they're hunting public land. They're they're always successful. They're putting in uh, the time like you are. They're they're always scouting, always trying to be on top of deer, uh, using game cameras, uh, things like that. And honestly, there's just not a ton of hundred inch plus bucks walking around out there. <laughs> So no, no, there, there's, there's really no reason to beat yourself up about it. Um, I mean, it's a good goal to have, but I think like you mentioned, like the better goal is just like consistently getting on deer, like consistently going out there, scouting, consistently getting on deer. And eventually that if you're, if you're in those places, uh, good things are going to happen. And eventually you're, you're going to kill that big buck. Right. And, you know, all the years that I have been hunting and especially the last five and six years where I've really, really honed my skills and really, really concentrated on, you know, deer sign and getting on deer and, you know, new mobile setup and everything like that. You know, like I said, just getting on deer and finding deer sign and it all it does is hone your skills and your proficiency. So when you finally do get an opportunity at a good deer. Um, you know, you make less mistakes, you know, and, and this is, this is all my opinion. And, and I'm, and I'm saying this with confidence because this is what I've endured. And this is what I've learned is, you know, you start, you start getting on some small buck sign and, you know, next thing you know, you're seeing some smaller bucks and you harvest them. And then now you go check out an area and you find, you know, what you've been looking for forever, big buck sign. And now you're like, okay, I know how to, I know how to do this. You know, I know, how, I know how to get on them and maybe you get them, maybe you don't, but just the more deer you can get on and the more frequent you can get on deer, I think you're going to be more successful. There's just, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on again. Uh, glad that you were able to, uh, finally get your registry buck, <laughs> take the pressure well, thank off. You. Uh, yeah, take the pressure off. Something I don't have to hear anymore, uh, about getting a registry. <laughs> Uh, I think before the season, uh, I mentioned something about you getting a registry this year. So uh, I'm glad it came to fruition in, in a few weeks, uh, be headed to Missouri, uh, hopefully, uh, for a new challenge. Uh, neither one of us have ever hunted Missouri. Uh, I've hunted the Midwest, but never hunted Missouri. You've never hunted the Midwest, uh, period. Uh, so I think there'll be some good, uh, learning opportunities there. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, be successful and uh get on deer i mean i'll consider it success if if i'm getting on deer uh i mean the time frame i mean you're talking about like six seven days of hunting if you shoot one great <laughs> uh, it's not a lot of time it's not like you got the whole season kind of like you got right. down here uh, it is a good time to be up there uh there there will be more deer on their feet and things like that but uh that um, we're, we're going to go on that trip, but hopefully, uh, have a, have a good podcast, uh, after that, uh, celebrating some success on that. But, uh, I think I'm going to uh, close it off here, man. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, man. I appreciate it very much, Chase. All right, everybody. I uh, appreciate you guys listening and, uh, to remember, uh, no matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. <laughs>